This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Uh, Paul and Stephen here in the studio in New York City. We are joined from Washington, D.C. by Wall Street Journal's Ben Lubsdorf. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing all right. So I think I assume you're very excited, Paul, because Monday's data calendar uh, kicks well, off. Don't ruin it for people. Chris. Kicks well, off let's with build your up a little drama. Uh, you kicks know, off with your favorite data point. Don't you want to build up a, a little report. drama? I don't think there's any drama <laughs> with the Chicago no Fed National Activity Index. I'm, you're the only one who gets excited for that, but go ahead. I am the only one who gets excited. I, I think excited our listeners might actually have well, your thing memorized. Well, no, no, look, look, let's get to the headline stuff. Let's let Ben give us the headline stuff. We can build up to my, my own personal little weird, you know, market uh, economic indicators. Ben, why don't we get to some stuff that people actually care about? What's going on next week? Uh not not to say anything bad about the Chicago Fed index. Thank but you. The, uh, Thank you, yes. I think a lot of attention will be Wednesday on the existing home sales report from the mm-hmm. National Association of Realtors. We're getting new home sales on Tuesday, uh, but that's a much smaller segment of the market. That's a much more volatile report. Uh, so existing home sales, the consensus is that sales will be down fr- in April from the prior month, maybe about 1%, a little mm-hmm. more. And that's not totally surprising because it's been sort of a surprise that home sales have been so strong this year with prices right. rising so quickly, with inventory so tight. Uh, you know, it's and mortgage rates were rising for a while. Now they now they're not anymore. You know, that that's really seemed like it was going to be putting pressure on buyers, uh, first time buyers, other buyers and holding down sales that hadn't happened yet. It might now start to be getting to be happening. Hmm. Also on Wednesday is the FOMC minutes um, for right. them their last their last meeting. Obviously, people are going to be looking. I'm assuming for clues as to whether June is going to get a rate hike. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the first thing people are going to be looking for is do they think that they were pretty close? Um, right. And the May meeting, you know, it was early May. Uh, it was after we had that uh, pretty weak report on March inflation from the CPI. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get probably some more thinking about how they were reading that, whether that was putting them off track. Uh, we haven't gotten much signal that it has. Uh, seems like the message has been what it was, which is they're going to keep raising rates. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get obviously some more color on that on Wednesday, as well as probably insight into where they see markets, where they see stock prices, maybe where the staff sometimes uh, comments on financial conditions, maybe international developments, maybe political developments, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is that th- events are happening so fast right now. You know, the next Fed meeting is almost a month away. So much can happen in the next couple of weeks. Well, that, that actually. It, it's hard to know how much weight you should put on the minutes of the last meeting. Um, one of the questions I have was actually jumping ahead to Friday, actually, was with consumer sentiment. Um, you saw last week two of the regional feds sort of show not consumer sentiment, but business sentiment, yeah. widely sort of divergence. Empire State was lower. The Philly Fed was, I think, the second um, highest it's been since the recovery. Um, how much you, are you guys looking at consumer sentiment and seeing if the, you know, the highs that we saw at the election are going to start pulling back? I, I mean, I think it's something people are watching pretty closely because we've had this 
divergence between the soft and the hard data these last few months, that right. sentiment gauges were off the charts and uh, hard data wasn't following. And, you know, the question has been, is spending, is economic activity going to pick up to meet the higher sentiment or is sentiment going to come down or is it going to be some combination? So every new piece of data we get on that uh, is going to be helpful. You know, GDP tracking for the second quarter looks pretty good right yeah. now. Right. Uh, on the other hand, maybe with stock market looking a little choppier, maybe with uh, all the stuff happening in Washington, maybe sentiment starts to pull back a bit. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see where those things are going. And we're getting Friday, that's the... Uh, I believe that's the Michigan uh, final number. Uh, mm. The first one was the prelim was uh, pretty good, uh, but you know it's. I think we're still we'll still have to wait and see how that split yeah. develops. You know the funny thing too is is in the first quarter a lot of the the hard data versus soft data debate was being boiled down to the difference in the Atlanta Fed and the New York Fed's GDP trackers. There are sort of real-time live models for GDP where the Atlanta Fed was very low, the New York Fed was high, and the, you know people were saying that the New York Fed was putting more weight on the soft data versus the Atlanta Fed. Uh, and I had actually talked to both banks and tried to get as good an explanation as I could, and we did a post about it. And, and that seemed like a pretty reasonable assumption. This quarter, they've reversed. Now the Atlanta Fed's tracker is higher than the New York Fed's. I don't think they're quite as wide as they were last quarter, but they, they've reversed in what they're projecting. So, you know, again, who knows where the second quarter is going to come in? Right. It's it's really early is yeah. the thing. We're, we're just now getting April data, yeah. and that's, you know, the first right. month of three months in the quarter. So it, it's it's just really early to try to figure out. The trackers don't have much to go on right now. Yeah. I think that'll firm up a lot. Right, as we right. get some more data over the next month or so. Right. They're still putting in a lot of projected uh, information. Uh, okay. I want to quickly mention – we'll take a break, but I, I will quickly mention the Chicago Fed. Uh, Monday morning, 8.30 a.m. I think our listeners have this memorized, but go ahead. They probably do. They don't want to hear it again. You want to hear it. Of course you want to hear it again. Uh, but we get so many new listeners all the time, right, Grocer? They, you know, maybe this they weren't there a month ago. Yeah. And they love you, Paul. And they, yeah, they do. Uh, Monday morning, eight thirty a.m. Chicago Fed's National Activity Index comes in, and again, I, I, I just personally think this is an interesting one. What they do is they take uh, about they take eighty-eight different economic indicators. They have a, a formula. They mash them together. They spit out a number, and the number tells you how far above or below long-term trend growth the economy is growing, and why is that valuable. I, I personally think it's, what, what it shows to me, and I tell you, it's been right around the, the flat line for, see, feels like forever. What it has constantly told me is that every time people have started to talk about the economy taking off, uh, that's been more wishful thinking than reality. Because you have seen from the Chicago Fed National Activity Index that the economy is just trudging along. It is not picking up steam. So that's why I think this is just sort of an interesting one to follow. And, and Ben, I don't know if how much how much do they talk about the Chicago Fed National Activity Index down in the D.C. Bureau? Well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's definitely a role, I think, for these sort of kitchen sink indicators that put a lot of stuff together, Chicago Fed, National Activity Index, or the uh, Leading indicators. Economic Indicators yeah. Index from Conference Board, because uh, they give you, you know, like you said, a really broad slate of things so you're not consciously or subconsciously cherry picking the data that tells the story you right. want to tell. 
uh, the same reason that the Fed uh, put together this labor market conditions index a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, that combined, I think, 19 different labor market indicators. Right. Uh, and it told, you know, more or less the same story as the unemployment rate. So we sort of paid attention to it for a while, and now we pay attention again to the unemployment rate. Right, right. But, you know, it is important. I think the point is valid that you want to be looking at a really broad set of data to make sure that you're not getting head faked. And that happens a lot with uh, when you're just following right. In each individual series, there's a lot of head fakes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, that's good. Let's take a break. We will come back more with the week ahead. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. For a new podcast experience, subscribe to the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul and Stephen here in New York City. Ben Lubsdorf in Washington, D.C. And Ben, there there are some Fed speakers on the docket for the week ahead, aren't there? Uh, there are. And uh, probably one of the most prominent ones is happening Monday Monday evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lael Brainerd, a member of the Fed Board of Governors in D.C., is speaking at a Minneapolis Fed conference. Uh, her subject is the roles of opportunity and inclusion in strengthening the U.S. economy, but she'll be taking questions, so it's very possible that either in the speech or the questions, interest rates, the, what will happen at the June meeting will come up. And uh, Brainerd is known as you know, one of the Fed's more vocal doves. Uh, she has been pretty skeptical about raising rates. She has gone along with it uh, so far, but she has been one of the voices out there saying, you know, uh, that we should be cautious about international conditions, especially uh, looking at inflation, looking at the dollar. Uh, she, you know, seems to have backed off that a little bit uh, mm-hmm. going into the March meeting. So I think this speech will be watched pretty closely as we approach the June meeting uh, to see what her intentions are. And on Friday, we have a couple, you know, we have durable goods in GDP. GDP is what, the third revision, right? Right. Uh, this is the, this second, is the second. second take second. of GDP, so second it's take, the revisions. Right. right. Um, anything, um, you know, there that we should be paying attention to? Uh, maybe the highlight there would be the uh, corporate profits data, because yeah. it's the revisions to GDP, and economists don't think it's going to move too much from the 0.7% reading that we got in the first estimate. But it's the first data we'll get on first quarter corporate profits. And, you know, we've obviously gotten public companies announcing their earnings, but right. this is sort of an economy-wide public and private companies uh, measure that the government puts out. And it was pretty strong in the fourth quarter, so I think uh, we'll be watching to see if that continues, if it looks, the picture continues to brighten for earnings. And then, of course, within the, the durable goods also, Ben, there's always that um, reading on business spending that's pretty critical. Right. Uh, new orders for non-defense capital goods excluding aircraft. Because right. Right. that headline number just gets bounced around so much by airplanes and cars and mm-hmm. crazy things. And you have this core measure that really is a way to drill down and see what are what are companies investing in new equipment and mm-hmm. machinery, computers, you know, furniture, stuff like that. 
And so uh, CapEx has looked a little stronger lately. Uh, it looked pretty bad for a few years right. with the oil bust and all the drilling pulling back. Uh, now it looks a little better, so we'll be definitely watching to see if that continues. And then, uh, Stephen Grosser, you know, I know earnings season is largely over, but there are still some interesting names on the calendar for the week ahead. I mean, it, I think the the most interesting ones really are the retailers. That this is retailers yeah. always close out um, right, the last right. couple of weeks, and you have Costco, you have Best Buy, you have Tiffany, Lowe's, right. um, and so it just be you know this has been this has been a rough uh, quarter. Um, you know, a rough reporting right. period, I should say, for uh, retailers, and it'll be interesting to see if they go through. Tiffany's especially, because that's a luxury. Right, right, right. Um, Tiffany's is always that kind of like bellwether for the, the aspirational buyer or um, the flat-out rich buyer. Well, yeah. <laughs> Was that Wednesday? But Wednesday, that, so that'll be an interesting one. But they close out what has been a you know very strong quarter for, and coming off a very low base. Right. I, I have to channel Paul here. Coming off a very low base, but still a very strong quarter for corporate profits. For corporate profits overall, if not yeah. for retail itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, anything else we should know about? Uh, no, I think we covered uh, a lot of the stuff we'll be watching down here. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's all the, the political rigmarole. I mean, yeah. oh, right. There's something going on with President that. Trump's overseas, his first extended trip, going to a bunch of countries, well, I mean, giving I, a bunch of speeches. And just the headlines that are coming out from everywhere. Right. I mean, I, I, it's almost to the point of, you know, how we say, and none of this really matters to the market. They're going to be, you know, paying attention to headlines, I think, like all of us. And, you know, that's been buffeting the markets. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you saw it last week. You had just. Day after day of these late day breaking stories, big developments, bombshell, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the market can't really ignore that stuff forever because it's starting to sound kind of serious. So, uh, right, and, that, and all of this sucks up oxygen that could be going into exactly. tax overhaul, right. health care, right. infrastructure, you know, actual legislation. So you've got a lot of people, I think, on Capitol Hill, Republicans on Capitol Hill saying, we're going to keep doing this stuff. We're going to keep pushing on this and try to block out what's happening. But I think it's a real question how long, how much this is going to intrude on what they want to do. Yeah. And you saw the market. I mean, we really did see the market, although the markets have you know, sort of come back. Um, the end you know, of last week, they came back. But you know, Wednesday was, right. you know, like the first time the markets really woke up to the fact that his agenda might be in trouble yeah. uh, getting done. Yeah. And you know what? There had been signs of that for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the first health care vote, obviously. And, and, and the uh, second health care vote, it squeaked through and it's obviously not, you know, going like to go through the Senate. I think that was actually the third. Well, it was the first time they actually voted on it, if we're, if we're being precise. Yeah. But yeah. no, but what what you saw with the market was the market the market had already underneath the the index numbers and the major index numbers you'd already seen a shift away from the Trump trade um, you, you know, from right, small right. caps, you, you you know, you saw it with people moving more to safe haven. You saw the, the reversal dollar. in the dollar, right? Yeah. The reversal in gold. Uh, so. and, but the, this one was even the major indexes yeah. couldn't ignore. Right, right. And but I mean, at the end of the day, Republicans still control Congress yep. and they still yeah. control the White House. So right. I think it's it's way too early to be betting that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ben. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And everyone out there listening, thank you for your time. We appreciate that even more. So talk to you soon. For a new podcast experience, subscribe to the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. 
Now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.